so I woke up this morning. That's um, that's a that's an achievement. Well done, sir. <laughs> yeah, um, I woke up this morning and well, uh, a text woke me up this morning from my bank saying I didn't have enough money to cover my standing order. Um, so please transfer the funds before two thirty p.m. today. So I did that. Um, and then I had booked a, a gym session for this morning as well, um, but but I cancelled that, cancelled the gym session. I then tried to have a wank, <laughs> but it, it didn't work. Um, Why didn't it work? That's what I was saying. I think you're just a bit tired at the moment, the old chap. Um, and actually, I think it's sort of your fault. <laughs> it's, it's my fault you can't have a wank. Well, look, this is it, because I was, I was, you know, trying, and then I sort of checked the time. It was 10 o'clock. I thought, okay, well, no stress, Seth. You've got plenty of time before before you've got um, connecting big dots with, with Jay, so just take your time with it. And then I thought, wait, now, I'm, now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to wank in time for Jay. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to ejaculate for Jay, and I thought no I can't do that. Oh, so I no, gave up. That's a, that's a nasty thought. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Just trying to finish myself off for you. Um, anyway, so then I tried to shave my face. Um, I cut myself twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, when the blood cleared, uh, I'd, I'd missed patches, but it was far too late. And then I went to make myself a cup of tea just for the podcast, and I dropped my tea bag onto the floor and, and trod on it. <laughs> Hello, welcome to good, Connect. Good, good, good first day. <laughs> good first day back at uni. Oh yeah, no, it's been a it's been a hell of a week back at uni. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, anyone listening? <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Connecting Vague Dots with me, Jay Panels, and. Me, Seth Cox. Hello. Good morning. It's going well. It is. How was your morning? My morning was fine. I got up at half eight. I had a shower. I had some cereal. Mm. And then um, watched a couple of YouTube videos. Did a lecture. And then just made a cup of coffee and now we're here. Blimey. All that time, just... I'm just imagining a split screen, your morning, you know, being really productive, shower, cereal, breakfast, and my morning just cutting myself, wanking, dropping shit. That would that would make good TV, that. No, it wouldn't. No, actually, no, it wouldn't make good. Me, me failing to have a wank would not. You failing good. to have a wank and me watching YouTube, <laughs> it would not make good TV. Yeah, no, you might be right there. Um... Shall I shall I do my spiel about the about the concept of the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> you sort of want to get this over and done with now, don't you? Yeah, let's let's just let's just rattle it off because we already know this is going to go terribly because my morning so it's far been bad so far. Yeah. Been bad. Um, so if you're new to the podcast, uh, the concept behind it is me and Mr. Pennells all choose a film, a book, and an album, all with an underlying link or theme or something in common and the other person in the call so i will try to guess jay's link um from 
from his from his selections and Jay will do the same for me. Uh, there's a point system involved where the sooner you get the link, the better. Jay has just um, <laughs> I just hit my teeth with my mug. It is mug. Um, I was wondering if you were going to point it out because if you didn't, we I would I was expecting you to just carry on. But... I mean, I'm pre- I was pretty much finished there. So there's a point system where the sooner you get the link, the more points you get, and we also get a point for revisiting any of the other person's selections from the week before. And I believe Jay, you revisited at least one of mine this week. Yeah, I I went back. So you chose Tron Legacy, which I didn't watch. Um, although I did see it on Disney, and I went, "Ooh, should I?" And I went, "No, I'm not. I'm going to watch something else." I watched the film that I picked for this week instead. Is <laughs> what I did. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you chose "Like a Prayer" by Madonna, which I did watch the music video for, because that's <laughs> mainly what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, I watched that about ten minutes ago. It's a very good use of your time. It's very clever. Mm. Well done. One point, Jay. Yeah, one point to me. And um, your book choice was Coraline, which I have not visited at all. Fair enough. Um, I don't think I revisited any, or visited any of yours from from last week because I. I sort of forgot that was a thing until you reminded me just before the call. I was only reminded of it by myself about two minutes what two minutes ago whilst I was making a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, without further ado, what was the film that you watched instead of Tron Legacy last night? Oh, the film that I watched. Well, it was um, it was a yesterday, of course, was Sunday, and I was very bored. Uh, I couldn't figure out what to do, so I decided to watch a film. The film I decided to watch was Moulin Rouge. How interesting. Well, this will be a fun discussion. There is a lot. Just it's That film is just a lot. So let, let's start. Yes, on, Do that, is, that is part of what I was going to talk about when it came to Moulin Rouge. Because it is... <laughs> one of the first thoughts I heard whilst I was watching it is, is like, it's like one of the Shakespearean like romance romances or romance comedies... So like Midsummer Night's Dream, Twelfth Night, a bit of Romeo and Juliet as well, and it's it's like one of those, but on ecstasy, and about like five kilograms of ecstasy, <laughs> roughly, roughly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's absolutely insane. Uh, the the editing is is razor sharp. It's incredible. The colours are amazing. There's a point I noticed this when they're dancing on the rooftops, like towards the start of the film, and they're doing the whole lovey-dovey thing. And you can look up to the top right corner, and you can see the moon is also singing along in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> There's the thing a while ago. I was um, looking at a thing that was talking about diegetic and non-diegetic singing in musicals. Diegetic. Yeah, so like whether or not it actually happens in the world. Sure. So generally speaking, musicals are non-diegetic. Like none of it is really happening. It's all just a bit of a show. Mm. And then uh, you have diegetic stuff like cabaret, for instance. Yeah. Where all the numbers are performed in the show. And they're mm. all happening in real life. Um, and Moulin Rouge is one of those things where it starts off 
non-diegetic, and then it becomes diegetic, and it becomes non-diegetic again, and then it becomes diegetic again, and there's no the blur. The lines are so blurred, you can't possibly know what the hell's going on. It's really good. Really good. Okay. I really, I really like Moulin Rouge. I had a bit. I had a big, I had a great big grin on my face like for the the first like half an hour, and then it kind of settles into itself, and like the melodrama is still there, and it really is a melodrama, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of settles down a bit, and kind of goes a bit more tragedic towards the end, mm-hmm. but there there is always that weirdly heightened sense about it from start to finish. I really like it. The, I really like Jim Broadbent in it. <laughs> Actually, I was surprised how good Ewan McGregor is. Oh, yeah. He's really good in it. Yeah, he is very good. Um, the counter-argument to, it, to what you just said is, is that the film is um, inconsistent in its diegetic, non-diegetic-ness. Sure. Well, I think... When you actually think about the framing device of the film, which is that he's telling their story. So he, so he's basically writing out this whole book on his typewriter about how he saw their relationship in that, in that year of his life. You could, sort, you could sort of make an argument that it, none of it is diegetic at all, in that it's all just like a fantasy retelling memory. Like... Um, rose-tinted glasses almost mm. so yeah. it really it really doesn't matter whether or not the diegeticness of it is consistent mm. okay yeah fine um do you know what? i don't know how i feel about moulin rouge as a film i've only seen it once and i came away from it immediately thinking that was well it's like nothing i've ever seen which is usually a good yeah. thing um so it's got that going for it um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. It's one of those ones. Um, but that, it's just so bright. It's so in your face. Mm. I don't think it gives you any time to. It's so melodramatic. Um, and the more I'm speaking about, it, the more I sort of want to watch it again. But yeah, it's a Baz Luhrmann, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and he does what Romeo. Great. Does he do Gatsby? Yeah, he did Romeo plus Juliet, and then that was like his biggest. That was his big thing, I think, in the late nineties. And then he did Moulin Rouge, and then in like twenty twelve or something, I want to say, he did Gatsby. And all of those are quite extravagant. I think it's fair to say. Ridiculously stylistic is what I'm saying. There, there is a way that he uses the frame that n- almost no one else does. Yeah. Almost, he's like individual in in a very similar way to the way that Wes Anderson is individual. Hmm. Yeah, you can spot a Baz Luhrmann film from a mile off. Yeah. Mention. Yeah. Mm. There really is nothing like Moulin Rouge. No. What do you think of all the um? Because obviously the songs of Moulin Rouge. We talk about the songs a bit there, right? There. Pop it's a jukebox musical. Jukebox musical, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, none of the none of the songs are originals. 
I I really like it. I really like that part of it. Mm. I was all I was constantly surprised when they go, Ooh, this song. I like <laughs> this song. Okay. Yeah. And then they start singing Roxanne and you go <laughs> towards the end and it's a ta- it's a big tango scene and you go, Ooh, like I like it. this. It's just I so can't bon- remember what song they blend it with, but it's so well done. Do you remember, since you saw it yesterday, there was that song that, um, I think it's a roof scene again with Nicole Kidman and Ian McGregor where they're singing um, some sort of ballad and then there's two over the top of each other. There's two going on at the same time. I can't quite remember what it was. Anyway, that worked very well. I just yeah. remember the scene very vividly. I mean, he, I mean, he starts off by singing All You Need Is Love. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. I mean, it's such a blur. It really is. Like yeah. the the song the songs that stick out most are like the Can Can that goes into Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's um, a big circus scene, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. like <laughs> that's ridiculous, and it really sets the tone. Or well, what really sets the tone is the sound of music. Like the very first scene. Where he's like sitting down at his typewriter, and then he basically writes in, and then someone falls through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, no, I do want to watch it again now. It's really good. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <sighs> Your link then. Um, so you took the diegetic, non diegetic, which is a phrase new to me, but I'm really liking it now. Um, but. You took that angle, but I don't know how that would apply anywhere else to the other mediums, really. So let's go for just a vague sort of things that are a lot in the sense that they're very in your face, jumpy out, look at me, jazz hands. You're on the right lines, but I'm going to say no, not quite. Okay, good. All right, what's what's your film then, Seth? Very excited about my film. I also watched my film last night. How brilliant! Did you? All right. Yes, I did. Um, the Witch. Ooh, the Vivitch. The Vivitch, as, as the poster would have it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've got a fun fact about the poster. Oh, go on. Can you? Can you? I mean, you you're quite knowledgeable and and sort of reasoning. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Can you? Hazard a guess at why the witch was spelt, the W was spelt with two V's in, in the poster. Oh, um, is it something to do with what happens in the film? No, no, it's okay, something... that's that's good because I haven't actually seen the film. I do yeah. want to watch it, though. Um, definitely. Uh, why is it spelt with two V's? Mm. I'm guessing it's not to do with Roman numerals. Um, no, it's to do with the sort of type. I'm just going to tell you because <laughs> I almost told you that. Yeah. Um, it's to do with the typeface that they used back in the 1600s. So they used two V's for a W on the ah. pamphlets that were about back then, which spelled you know witch hunt, witch hunt stuff like that. Ah, that's really cool. It is quite cool. That's so yeah, this this film was set in the um, 16. 1630, um, when witch hunting was a big thing, and um, it's very historically accurate, as it tells you at the end. It sort of says, um, the film is 
based on real accounts and written accounts and stuff like that. Cool. Which is kind of creepy, but very cool. Um, and the dialogue is so on point. Do you know what I mean? It's very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it not... Uh, is it non-naturalistic? Is it quite... No, it's naturalistic. It's very in keeping with the time. Like, Is it really? Yeah. Oh, so like old-timey, almost Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, Shakespearean language. It's it's very good. So yeah, it's like a modern folklore tale um, starring Anya Taylor Joy, who's obviously up and coming. Oh, yes. um, directed by Robert Eggers, another up and coming director, because he had The Lighthouse two years ago and The Witch just before that. It's... Oh yeah, The Lighthouse. I've heard things about that. Oh yeah, The Lighthouse is they're on a similar they're on a similar sort of level of just weirdness. Mm. Um, and also just a random link that the director likes to film in the sort of a more narrow ratio. What, a 4-3? It's something like that. It's Okay. Yeah. I wonder why that is, because there is always, like, if you're going to film in a different aspect ratio, there's always a reason. Mm. No one ever just happens to do it. No. I, it's, I feel... it's like Wes Anderson, you know, in like, um... Grand Budapest is the perfect example where it literally changes aspect ratio depending on who your narrator is at the time. <laughs> yeah. And also the really cool thing about was um that film is the camera is always on a perfect horizontal. It's ridiculous, isn't it? That's amazing. I reckon it, he must that, that film has such a strange feel to it. Yeah. I love it so much. That's on Disney Plus as well at the moment, isn't it? Along with a lot of other Wes Andersons, which I've made up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I might go watch it again. It's really yeah. good. I might watch Wes Anderson. Anyway, no, The Witch. Um, yes, so yeah, sorry, carry on. It's just a modern, not modern, it's, it's like a classic folklore tale mm. um, of witches. Um, kind of scary towards the end. Very atmospheric. Um, and that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that it's it's not one of those horrors. <clears throat> you know, um, Stephen King has like the. I think it's Stephen King, has like the le- different levels of horror. You've got like the shock factor, or you've got gore, mm. you've got shock, and then you've got terror. Mm. Whereas, like, so gore is is all text, so it's all written in stuff, and you've got. Um, horror or shock, which is, which is also still in the text, but is actively coming at you, is supposed to shock you, and you've got terror, which is the top level, apparently the most hard, which is where it's all subtext. Mm. <laughs> there, there is no text actively saying you should be scared, but you know when it's happening that you should be scared. And the witch I've always heard is is more in the top category. Yeah, I think Stephen King himself actually wrote a very lovely review of it. I think he really enjoyed it. Right, um, yeah. So yeah, definitely give it a watch. It's an A twenty four film as well. Who are obviously doing brilliant things at the moment. Oh right. Um, what else is A twenty four? You've got Swiss Army Man, um, Ex Machina, of course, for you, Jay, which you which you love. <sighs> love that film. Um, you've got the Ari Aster films, so Hereditary and uh, Midsummer. You know they're doing some some really great independent films at the moment. So do keep an eye on A24. Um, but Jay, shoot, what have you got? What do you what do you reckon the link is? Um, 
didn't talk much about well I don't know I think I'm guessing maybe it's got something to do with like it's very in keeping with when it was made so, so the witch is really in time with the 1630s whatever music it'll pick it's very in time with that and books and so on a very good guess um not the correct guess unfortunately but a good guess am i on the right lines or i like the way you're thinking i mean that is genuinely a, a, a lovely guess um but as to the right lines no no you're not on the right lines okay all right my other my other thinking was the typeface but that doesn't really make any sense when it comes to other things well hold your horses we will see you know you may be on something there let's have a look let's have a look i mean that would be really interesting because if it comes to a book i think i'm pretty sure most books are just printed times new roman yeah yeah i think my my brother's doing a sort of graphic design course and his whole first year has been looking at fonts that's strange fonts are really interesting though i think they're super interesting imagine coming up with your own font and writing in it that would be good wouldn't it that would be that must be really hard though how many imagine how many fonts there are do you think there are what do you think there's an infinite amount of amount of fonts that can that could be used I suppose so. so there must but be. I mean, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things that it always comes down to. I think really is you go, yeah, you can, but is there really a point? Yeah, is this? there that many uses for that many fonts? Would yeah. be the question. Yeah. Okay. Right. So my music choice then. Um, my music choice. I don't know that you will have heard of this. Um, it's called Atrocity Exhibition. I don't know that I picked this before. I don't think I have. No, um, I definitely haven't picked it before. Okay, it's it's an album by Danny Brown, who's a hip hop artist from made in 2016, and I was um brought brought to attention to this album by James Acaster in his <laughs> um, Perfect Sounds Whatever, um, and he does a podcast to go along with it. Yeah, didn't he rank? No, he, yeah, he likes his albums a lot. I remember he did some sort of ranking for um, the best albums of the 2010s or the most underrated albums of the, yeah. the 2010s or something like well, that. Well, essentially, uh, uh, the premise of his perfect sounds for Tepper is that in 2017 he had a breakdown. So he <laughs> went back and he bought as many albums as he could from 2016. And uh, he has continued to do that to this day. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And Atrocity Exhibition is, is one of these. Um, so it's a Danny Brown album, and it is so visceral, and it definitely is heightened. It, I, I would say it's quite, it's quite melodramatic. So you've got... Um, he's, he's sort of delving into... You know, in, in rap and hip-hop, there's lots of talk of drugs and stuff. Drugs and sex and stuff. Yeah. And he basically dives into that, but he goes into it in a way that nobody else has and how shit that stuff is. Right, so and, he's... Is he having a go at the, the, the music for mentioning this stuff or is he having a go at the stuff 
the it's stuff a... itself. Blimey, so, like, okay. The first, the first track is called Downward Spiral, and it's basically like you. I can't quite remember, but there's a line in it where he's talking about having a threesome, and he said he couldn't get it up, had to fuck them both raw. <laughs> his his his, what's called in, in rap, his flow. So the way he raps is so strange, and it begins as very sort of staccato and attacking, and it, it's so it's quite it's not even a long album. It's like forty five minutes long is how long the album is, but it feels like a slog, yeah. but not in the bad way. Like like the whole album is attacking you, yeah, musically. I, it's so good. I'm I'm guessing it's one of those albums that you sort of sit back, you put on, you listen to, and you can't quite get comfortable because you keep getting a bit of a surprise from from the rap. Yeah, it's... you can you can never get comfortable with it. His eventually he sort of settles into like his 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 way of rapping is is at first quite if you're new to it, it's really jarring. You can kind of settle into it a bit, but it's still harsh and over the top, and it's really good. I quite, I quite like that whole idea of him attacking the stuff that other hip hop artists and rap artists always like put on a bit of a pedestal as really great things. Yeah. So just a bit of a reality check it is is always quite like, refreshing. I might give it a listen, you know. It's something that Eminem has has done it in in some ways sometimes like in in like when Eminem was good, um, you kind of did get a sense of that like the like the drugs and the booze is like corrupting him and turning him to a horrible horrible person, but it's still like never quite objective in Eminem stuff. It's all very like in the mind of that fuck up. Mm. Whereas with um, the Danny Brown stuff, it's like he's he's done it, and now he's taking a step back from it, and this is going right. Here's the information, and here's here's the experience. <laughs> Don't have this experience. <laughs> it's really it's really cool. Yeah, I really like that idea. That's really good. Um, I think I know you, Link. Okay. Is it melodrama? Yes. Lovely. Yes. So you're on two. Brilliant. You're yeah. still on one. So I'm still on one. Yeah. There's still all to play for. Still all to play for. Um, my album. Um, you and me both know and love quite well. I don't think we talked about it before, but it is the Gorillas with Demon Days. Ah, <gasps> yes. Probably their best album. I think we both agree. Yes. Good. Yeah. Um, it's if if it's not the top one, it's definitely top three. Yeah. Because self-titled album is also really good, and um, Plastic Beach. Plastic Beach. It's a fantastic album. Yes. So there's so many bangers on there, <laughs> but Demon Days. Please carry on. It's just an absolute joy. I mean, you you jump in from the start. I think you've got the run of about five, 
tracks at the start of the album, which is just brilliant. Mm. Um, every single track is is a winner. And the, the famous track from it, the famous single they got from it was Feel Good Inc., which is probably their most one of their most well-known songs um, today. Um, but the gorillas themselves are something quite interesting to talk about because they have alter egos, don't they? Mm. There's a whole, I think there's a whole mythos when you, when it comes to gorillas, and I think it especially culminated with with Plastic Beach as well where they created this sort of narrative function that happens. If you watch some of their music videos, you can definitely tell that they have a narrative thrust to them. Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting because they've got... um, I think how their band formed is you've got Damon Albarn, obviously from Blur, Mm. who um, met with a comic artist who then drew all of the caricatures and the brilliant album art, which is all their album art is absolutely brilliant. I mean, it yeah. looks fantastic. So they met with them, who created um, alter egos and this sort of concept behind the gorillas, which would be that there would be a narrative and video format for their albums, which is super interesting. You know, I, I love that. Um, and I did actually look, there's, <laughs> there is actually a bit of a debate to be had. Is it the gorillas or is it the gorillas with, with a Z? But um, the thinking behind gorillas with a Z is that um, we are Generation Z. Oh, is it? Simple as that. Um, oh, that's cool. I've never really theories. thought of that. No, I, I don't really know about all the Generation stuff. I always thought we were Millennials until I actually looked and we were Generation No, Millennials are like 1985 to 2000 to 1999. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. We're Generation Z. But yeah, that's the thing behind them. If you haven't listened to Demon Days, I think it's pretty much accessible to anyone who likes music i think anyone will probably quite like it mm. my favorite track is is towards the end where um fire coming out of the monkey's head where it's not really a song it is more of a story mm. about like um the men in dark suits coming to invade and then mining the the resources so good. They're very political. I read that uh, Plastic Beach was a whole environmental activistic mm. album. Um, so yeah, they're, they're very in touch with, with all of that stuff, which is nice when, when music artists um, you know, appreciate that stuff. It, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So, let's think about what your link is. So we've got the witch, where I feel like I should be able to get this from this. Potentially, you were on the right lines with some of the stuff you were saying earlier. I mentioned about like the font is like really in keeping with the the time period of the witch, and then you've also got the caricatures and the narrative thrust of the gorillas which is sort of the main point of that mm. is it that they they are they are also expressed not just in the medium that they are but in different forms no or like de- details have gone into other bits 
of the of the thing. So like the witch had a lot of focus on not just the actual film, but how the film is presented. Mm. And gorillas focus very much on how they are presented. Again, unfortunately not. No. Shit. The thing with the stuff I've chosen this week is there's just so much to everything I've chosen. that there's so much to unpack with it. Yeah, it's, it, I've realised now it's going to be a tricky one. But I think my last option should probably give it away. Okay. But your book. Okay, it's not a book, I'll be honest. What is it? It is a play. A melodramatic play, of course. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, so you've got pantomimes, but I don't think she's a pantomime because they're not really... Ooh. Okay, I'm just going to say, is it the woman who cooked her husband? No. Oh. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot that was the thing. No, not that. Um, no, I chose the play that goes wrong. Of course, yes. She's a pant fantastic thing pantomime maybe pushes it a little a little far in terms of the, the description of it but it fits reasonably well i think yeah it's, it's a farce isn't it as miss mars used to call it yes it is a complete farce i, I remember it's so focused on the humor of it is so good and it's like so well constructed you, when you actually think about the mechanics of it, because like when we were doing drama, we watched it, and you think about <clears throat> not just the thing itself, but you also often think about, especially when we had to write the review for it, which we did, of what has to go into the thing. The mechanics of it are so finely tuned, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's great because you've got sets falling down props misplaced and and the choreography you have to be standing in exactly the right place so you don't get flattened by a set that's collapsing Mm -hmm. and the prop needs to be misplaced in exactly the right place to then be found later by someone else it's it's... and everything needs to fall at exactly the right time like the timing the blocking the the comedic timing of the lines as well like the actual performance and also how they switch in and out of character or into you know the pretend the the play character and then the character playing the play character is so precise and mm. so well done oh, it's just mischief theater man just it incredible was, it was such a joy to watch did did you ever manage to get to watch um, one of their other ones like they did peter pan goes wrong and, and... Cinderella goes wrong, maybe or something like that. I saw Peter Pan goes wrong on the BBC when they had it on there. I must say, that was a few years ago now. Um, and they did a series. I was going to ask you about the series because was that Mischief Theatre as well, or was that? Yeah, it was. Was it any good? Did you give it a watch? I did give it a watch. I did enjoy it. Um, it's not quite the same i feel like but i don't know why i think it's just to do with the form to be honest i think when you're there in this in you know the the auditorium watching this happen Mm. it just it would just elevate it to to greater heights yeah 
that's that's often the thing with live theatre. Like being in the room counts for a lot. It mm. really does, especially with um with things like. Say for Hamilton, for example. So I've watched that on Disney Plus. Mm. That's on there now, and that is, I'm sure, a very different experience to being in the room. And what something that really comes to mind is Les Mis. Like being in the room of a performance of Les Mis is almost certainly vastly different to just watching it on a screen. Yeah, Th- thinking about the sort of. The Royal Shakespeare Company productions as well, because they they always live stream yeah. those. Being in the room is, yeah, go to the theatre, man. Go, yeah, go to the theatre. It's just, it's it, it is something else. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> right. So that is those are all my picks for this week. Lovely. Right, what's your book then, Seth? <laughs> My book is um, the King James Bible of 16-something or other, around about 1635 or something like that. Um, you picked the Bible? Yes, I picked the Bible. Um, There's a lot to unpack with that. <laughs> isn't there just? Yeah. This is what I meant. I mean, I've picked the gorillas, the demon, no, the gorillas, witch, and, and the Bible. So, I mean, I don't envy you the job you have to unpack all of this stuff, but the what Bible. What the fuck is wrong with you? Where do you want to start with, with the Bible? <laughs> Should we start from the beginning? Yeah, in the beginning. Um, there was light. <laughs> light. Is that the phrase? I thought it was, there was nothing. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that's it. Um, so yeah, the Bible. Um, that's a book. That's fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. It's it's read. Why did you pick the Bible? I'm about to Is reveal it. Specifically, it. the Saint James Bible. Specifically, the Saint James's Bible. Um, it will be all will be revealed when I have to spiel about it and and reveal um, the sort of, the point why I chose the Bible. But that. I, what can we say about the Bible that hasn't already been said, really? Um, St. James is Bible. Funnily enough, this isn't the link, but um, St. James, this was 1635 and the witch was set in 1630, so you know, pretty close time period to that. But that, that's not the link. Um, so St. James's Bible was famous for a very um, troublesome misprint, a very, um, a very horrible misspelling um, typo. Which was that, um, you know, you got the Ten Commandments, like, thou shall not, thou shall not they, murder. Did they forgot the not? They did. They said, thou <laughs> shall commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, which obviously resulted in a massive uproar. People went around burning the books because they were satanic. And, oh, God, there was a lot of um, chaos about that. And I think only ten, because of all the burning of the books, only ten of those Bibles still exists today with that misprint. Wow. That's... That's incredible. That's something you double-check, wasn't it? you check the Ten Commandments, wouldn't you, when you were printing the Bible, you'd think. That's a big one. <laughs> it's the one that most people know. Yeah. But I just thought that was super interesting. That um, is so interesting. So you've probably got my link now. It's a bit muddled, but just around the right area will do. 
All I can really think of is like printing. So like the the witch the 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 vivich the witch is very specifically in, in terms of like the printing press and the original printing press. St. James Bible is obviously the first thing to ever come off a printing press, I think. I think that's right. Is that right? Or is it like the first mass-produced thing? Probably the first mass-produced thing. Yeah, almost definitely. And Demon Day is obviously very visual in the... Or the, the, the spelling of the gorillas you mentioned. Whether it's... Is it with a Z or with a... So is that it? Is it like the spelling and the font yeah it's essentially about spelling and font all with all of these options have unusual spelling or font that's so so specific <laughs> no it, that you pick things that like there's so many things to do with them i think it's so specific to a point and then when you get there you think spelling and then it's not so specific it's just sort of spelling but that is essentially it yeah Spelling, font, misprints, anything like that. That is it. But did you know that I knew about the the weird spelling of the of the witch's um, poster? No, I didn't. No. So were you wait? Were you hoping to? How are you going to bring that up naturally? I don't know. Didn't have to worry about it though. So thank you for that. Because I happily knew it. Because it would have been nice if you knew about the King James Bible as well. You might not have got that. Yeah, wow, that's... Okay. <laughs> that's what I think. Um, really, that's a, I, quite, I really quite like that link, actually. Thank you. Good. Um, it's just unfortunate that the stuff I chose were such big things. Um, but the only, yeah. other mis- the only other famous misprints... I had such a good time looking at famous misprints. Um, there was a famous one in The Philosopher's Stone, which was on the shopping list... Um, there was two ones. That's it. One's plural. For, Sorry? For to buy. So uh, in the Philosopher's Stone, um, the students got given a, a shopping list to shop around wherever they were, Hogsmeade or something. And instead of one wand on the list, J.K. Rowling uh, printed two two wands. Or rather, the printing press printed two wands. And they, these book, those books are now going for like £900. So Really? Wow. What the, what the hell? Um that's interesting. Also, the, the the whole thing with, like, the philosophers, not the philosophers don't necessarily, but with the way that they pick wands in Harry Potter is strange. The wand chooses the wizard, Mr. Potter. I feel like so much of Harry Potter is to do with, like, vague prophetic type things. <laughs> but it's all over the place. Like, yeah. it's not specific at all. Like, with the house, with Harry being the chosen one, and yeah. also Neville, also the chosen one, because apparently it's so vague that you can have three different chosen ones. Yeah. It's so strange. I've never read them, no. and I'm never going to. No, you don't get much more from the books than you get from the films, really. Mm-hmm. It's a shame she's a transphobe. <laughs> yeah. I think since oh, well. that happened, people have just looked back at Harry Potter. Cause... 
Harry Potter was keeping the English economy going, sort of, and still is to an extent, you know, with the Fantastic Beasts. They're really milking that cow, aren't they? Um, are they? Oh, are they yeah. Doing, are they doing more? They're doing more Fantastic Beasts. They're signing up for five Fantastic Beasts and where to find them films. Oh, um, so, I mean, I uh, like Eddie Redmayne, but... Oh, well. He can only do so much when no one else around him is doing anything important and the script yeah. shit and everything's shit. And life is just shit. I watched a video the other day about that is literally titled Why is Cats? <laughs> it's an hour-long video essay all about cats. The, the, the musical. Or the, yeah. Well, the musical and the film. Yeah. And there's a, there's a line in it where uh, she literally says, how did you make a film where Idris Elba is just like not He's almost like he's not Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Idris Elba makes everything better, but this is still rubbish. How have you managed to do this? Yeah, he's, he's like The Rock, isn't he? When when you, you've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson or something, you think, I'm going to enjoy this. I know it's shit, but I'm going to bloody enjoy it. Yeah, but the thing with Idris Elba is it's not even shit when he's, when he's oh, in yeah, it. No. He's actually... Well, eh, he's a good actor. Um, Dwayne's good. <laughs> he, he, he does his best. Yeah, he's good at what he does. Um, yeah, I, I, I like The Rock. He's cool. He's charismatic. Who doesn't like The Rock? Find me someone who doesn't like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And and why? Why don't you like him? Yeah, that, that's what I would want to know. Because jealousy would be the only reason I could think of. Because because by all accounts, he's a, he's a lovely man as oh. far as everyone seems to think and say about him. So yeah. There we go. That was a tangent. <laughs> How did we do that? Oh, you just said you watched a video about cats. Oh, yeah, I did. That was such a... It's, I still can't quite get over how weird that was, because that was the same director who directed stuff like The King's Speech. Yeah. And that film with Michael Sheen about um, Man United. Did he direct um, The Damned United? That's it, yes, The Damned United, yeah, that as well. Did like, he? Where the fuck did you go wrong? I'm pretty certain, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in the in the video I say, they basically talk about how the fact that he directed Les Mis and that won a bunch of Oscars. Mm. And his style, he likes to keep it really gritty and realistic. <laughs> and so, and you can, you can just about get away with that in, with Les Mis. Just about. Mm. Um, but with Cats, no. Don't even try. Stop. Just don't do it. Just, Just don't, don't do, do it. it. Stay away from that. It's a shit musical anyway. Um, it's an odd one, definitely. Yeah, it's based off like that short, like a collection of short stories, isn't it? T.S. Eliot, yeah. Yeah, about cats. Apparently, and, apparently during Andrew Lloyd Webber's pitch to his um to his widow, <laughs> he he pitched it as like, what if the cats were like hot gossip? <laughs> Which was like a group from the like the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. And then his T. S. Eliot's wife went, Tom would have liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so they managed to get the rights to it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, anyway, shall we wrap it up? We've um Yeah, let's let's wrap it up, I guess. Fine. Um thanks for joining us for C B D. The scores we... Again, we haven't actually um, updated the format. 
We're going to try to do that next week. I was going to try and open with that, but instead we opened with how bad your morning was. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, yeah. The, the only thing good about my morning has been complaining about my morning. So thank you for okay. giving me a platform to do that. Not at all. So it's a pleasure as always. So that's goodbye from me. <laughs> that was a weird pause. Yes, <laughs> goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.